Hello everyone, my name is Jonathan Hewitt and welcome to the Conservative Voice Show, your place for honest, controversial, and the hottest in political conversations. Hey everybody, so welcome back to the Conservative Voice Show, I'm a patriot. How y'all doing? I missed you guys, so I'm back, right? My wife and I have been in New York for the last like five days, six days, visiting some really good friends of ours that were getting married up there. And it was a blast. The wife and I, um, we saw New York City for the first time. And to be honest, even with Cuomo's ridiculous lockdowns, you wouldn't be able to tell that walking down Fifth Avenue. I don't know what it's normally like, but Fifth Avenue is packed. Like, freaking packed. And I'm gonna tell y'all a funny story, at least, what I think is kind of funny. That just highlights, like, the facade behind all these COVID lockdowns. So, my wife and I, we stayed over in Newark, um, New Jersey, because that's where we flew out of. Which, by the way, if you're ever gonna go there, to New York City, fly into Newark, it's like $150 cheaper than flying into JFK or LaGuardia, and it's only, like, a 30-minute drive from downtown. Right, from like Midtown Manhattan, right? So, little piece of advice there, flying in Newark, New Jersey, way cheaper. Anyway, so we get dropped off like from our lift somewhere around like 49th Street and 6th Avenue, right? And we get out and there's like people every freaking where. When I mean everywhere, I mean everywhere. But up in front of us, we see like this area that's a little bit more congested, but we just thought it was people walking. Well, we get up there and it's actually blocked off and NYPD is like standing up there. So we talk to them, talk to them, we're like, what's this all about? And they're like, well, this is the line to go see the Rockefeller tree in the center of Rockefeller. Well, at Rockefeller Center, you know, the big Christmas tree. We're like, oh, well, that's, that's kind of cool, I guess. But he's like, you have to wait in this line in order to go in there so they can socially distance people that are going next to the tree. And I was like, well, I ain't got the patience to wait for that. So the wife and I walked around. They sent us out to like 51st Street. You go 51st Street, we come around on Fifth Avenue. Where like Saks and Trump Tower is and all that. So we walked down and as we're walking down past hundreds of people, there's another hundred of people standing there. And we look and what it is is, is it's, they have like, like rails up, I guess, or like little gates that you can't go in front of. But down that like pathway is the tree leading to the front of Rockefeller, like the tree in front of the Rockefeller Tower, right? And in front of all those gates that are blocking everyone from going there where there's no NYPD officers or anything like that, there is hundreds of people just standing there. Hundreds of them, like shoulder to shoulder, touching. Now, granted, everyone's wearing masks, but they're socially distanced people from getting to the tree where people are just standing on the open roadway, still outside to view the tree that they're now not socially distancing because they're not next to the tree. So apparently according to New York and Cuomo and whatever regulations that is for Rockefeller, you can only get COVID if you're not socially distancing by a tree. And so that just, it just goes to show you how much inconsistency there is with the enforcement of social distancing and where it's important, where it's not important. But you can be just right next to people and it'd be just fine in New York, you can walk down Fifth Avenue next to, there were probably hundreds of people there. Hell, there, no, there were more than hundreds. There were thousands of people there. 
Like you could not see it, you were bumping into each other. And like I said, I don't know how busy Fifth Avenue normally is, because I've never been there before, but it did not look like a pandemic was raging there. You know, and so, and a lot, a lot of that also, I found very funny while I was there. Me being into politics, I watched news while I was there, right? And I watched their news channels, and their news channels just like put out all this like propaganda. And it's, I can't think of anything else better to say it than that, because it's just how terrible COVID is and how terrible of a person you are if you go outside and that. If you go outside, you're gonna kill thousands of people from COVID. And I found it very, very funny to see that and to watch. And I, cause I always wondered, I'm sure all of you do too, the reason why New York and other states of there were so concerned about COVID when down here in the South, there's just people minding their business going about their lives. And I think a big deal of it is, just like we see with everything nowadays, it, the media is so complicit in it. So complicit in the idea of giving to the idea that if you don't listen to these authoritative like orders and authoritative governors, that you're somehow going to be responsible for thousands of people dying. And that if we don't lock down our communities, then thousands more people are going to die. And there's nothing that we can do about it. And we're at the end of times. Like, that's what it seemed like listening to their news. But, all right, patriots. Enough about my vacation, which was awesome. Check my Instagram, you'll see photos of us bumping it around. Which, by the way, Trump Tower. Let me tell you guys. And we'll, we'll move on. We'll get back to the story. Trump Tower was, like, heavily guarded. Like, I'm not even talking about, like, armed security guards, pistol, like, bank kind of security guards. No, these mother truckers were out front, right? With, like, AR-15s, like, that kind of style rifle. I'll just say something from a long rifle. Look a lot to, like like a SWAT get up helmet, an outer carrier, all kinds of things like that. And I'm like, and above Trump Tower, like in the glass it says open to the public. So I was like, I'm about to go see my man's tower. Let's go. And you go up there, and then it's gated off. And then there's just two like armed security guards dressed to the nine. I'm like, what the heck? So I don't know if they got like secret service there. I don't know what it is. But if you go to Trump Tower in New York, expect to be seen by those lovely fellows there. Anyway, so I know I've been gone for almost a week or so, give or take, I'm sorry, and a lot's happened, but I'm not gonna rehash everything that's happened. I'm sure you found it somewhere or watched it somewhere else, but I will have an honorable mention or two as we go through this because I would be remiss if I did not talk about it. All right, so to start off with today, Trump is taking huge backlash for his America First approach, right? Senator Ted Cruz will also be presenting oral arguments in an election case if it goes to the Supreme Court. And Joe Biden has selected his security, security, Secretary of Defense nominee. So we'll go over all of that and some more on today's show. So while I was away, like I said, I did watch some of that news, right? And while watching it up there in New York, I heard about a bar. I heard about a bar called Max Public House. If you haven't heard about it, go look it up. It's probably the most patriotic and American thing you've ever seen in your life. And I'm not necessarily meaning about what it looks like on the inside. I'm more meaning on like what its owner stands for and what it thinks, right? So this restaurant is and bar is refusing Governor Cuomo's orders regarding the sh early shuttering of their businesses. So first, the owner, Danny Presti, was arrested after a sting operation regarding an undercover 
regarding undercover officers and plainclothes officers going into his business and being able to purchase food and drink after the hours. That was on Wednesday. So let's just talk about that for a second, right? You're telling me that you're going to send, send and use plainclothes undercover officers for a sting operation on a small business or whether or not they're operating and serving food and drinks inside. Hell, there's some murders, gangs, drug operations that don't even get that same kind of treatment. Like you're using these very, very like clandestine operations to shut down and arrest a small business owner while your crime runs rampant and everything else, murders, violent crimes, robberies. There are plenty of other things that those, those undercover officers could have been doing to better serve the public than trying to shut down a small business. So like I said, I believe it was Wednesday of last week that he was arrested the first time and that sparked protests happening outside the resident, or outside the restaurant, right? So after he was released from jail, right, and his other business partners, they continued to serve patrons. They said, I don't give a sh- pretty much I don't give a shit what the governor says, says I'm gonna continue to do this. This is my livelihood. This is the way I make money. And this is what my patrons want. So then on Saturday, Presty was leaving the bar when the sheriff's office tried to arrest him. And an altercation occurred that led to a deputy be- being injured. So here's where the circumstances get a little cloudy. And the circumstances regarding that um, altercation are still pretty unknown. So the sheriff's office is claiming that both the deputy's legs were broken from being ran over by Presty on purpose. Presty and his lawyer say that all of that is a lie and that's not how it went down. Nonetheless, like this is an issue that's happening across the nation. There are plenty of reports across the nation of different small businesses being shut down. Like there was a video and I'll find it if I can and I'll put it on my Instagram of a woman who owned a restaurant next to a like furniture company, I think it was. Obviously, she was shut down because she was deemed non-essential or whatever. And so no one was able to eat inside her restaurant or eat outside her restaurant or anything like that. So the furniture company then holds some kind of like get together for its businesses, like for different like either businesses that are associated with them or for their employees or their families or their um, like people who are buying from them, whatever, right? And had it literally outside under the same kind of tents that the business owner was operating her restaurant under. But because the furniture company was deemed necessary, but the restaurant was not, she was forced to close while the furniture company served food and did whatever to its patrons. And that is absolutely ridiculous. As the Democrats continue to shutter small businesses, at some point they're going to stand up against them. Like this is their livelihood and it's being affected by the shutdowns. 100% is. Right, so along with the government trying to just shut everything down, we know apparently, we now apparently have vocal teachers that just are going to scream in the middle of the road at peaceful protesting, at peaceful protests that are protesting the shuttering of those businesses. So in Jefferson County, Oregon, a video of a school teacher cussing and screaming at the protesters has emerged. This happened on Sunday, and I'm gonna tell y'all now, try not to laugh, because it's absolutely hilarious. Like, I don't know what she was thinking, it seems like one of those like crazy Karen times. Like, I don't know, but here it is. Hey, what? Bitch, kill yourself! 
Like, holy cow, lady, what is your problem? When I started to think about it, I thought about the news that I saw in New York. And that is what I think is causing it. They have sown the narrative that if you do not give the government all of your freedoms, if you, we do not stay locked down inside, that if you don't go over anywhere, if you don't go over to your friends, if you don't engage in basic human interaction, then everyone is going to die and it's going to be absolutely your fault. Now, don't get me wrong. All the deaths because of the virus are sad. And it's absolutely a huge loss when you lose any life, right? But the data does not suggest that millions and millions of Americans are going to die. And it does not suggest that millions and millions of healthy Americans are going to die. It does not suggest that if you go outside on a walk or eat outside at a restaurant or do anything like that, that some craziness is going to happen. It just does not support those claims. And the media is 100% complicit, like it has been for the last four years, in promulgating that narrative that if you are anywhere near being conservative and agreeing in American freedoms and American institutions and American values, that you're the reason why millions of Americans are going to die and you're the evil person. So, speaking of the virus, shutdowns, and everything like that, President Trump is taking huge backlash today when it comes to the COVID vaccine, primarily for his America First stance. In a report from Quint Fergery of Politico, the chief scientist of Trump's administration's Operation Warp Speed was unable to explain President Donald Trump's latest executive order Tuesday, which aims to prioritize shipment of the coronavirus to Americans over other countries. Monsef Salau, who Trump tapped in May to head up the administration's efforts to hasten vaccine development, appeared puzzled when asked to clarify the president's order during an interview on ABC's Good Morning America. Frankly, I don't know. And frankly, I'm staying out of this. I can't comment, Slough said. I literally don't know. You don't know, asked the respectable anchor, George Stephanopoulos. Yes, Slough said. But you're the chief science advisor for Operation Warp Speed, Stephanopoulos pressed. Our work is, you know, rolling, Slough said. We have plans. We feel that we can deliver the vaccines as needed. So I don't know exactly what this order is about. Indeed, it remains unclear how Trump's executive order would be enforced, as drug makers are already making agreements to deliver supplies for other countries. All right. So you don't know where he is going with his executive order. I think this is where, no, we'll rewind. He's going that he wants the Americans to be taken care of first and not any other country. And this is where I think a lot of people get confused and a bit messed up. So the rights that we have in American people, as Americans, right, predate government, right, through natural law and all of that. We have a Declaration of Independence and a Constitution that protects those rights. The Constitution is a place where it outlines that it, the government's powers and responsibilities. And one of the most important responsibilities written in the Constitution is written in the preamble of the Constitution, right? So we, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and the, our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution of the United States of America. 
Nowhere in there does it say the United States of Europe, Great Britain, Asia, China, Russia, Ukraine, Middle East, nothing, right? The government's job is not to provide for the rest of the world. That is not its job. The government's job is to protect the American people. Therefore, I'm, I'm not sure where anybody's, like how anybody can be against them trying to bring the majority of the vaccinations to American, to serve America, like to serve Americans. I would assume that probably the British Prime Minister and all the other countries are trying to get their hands on as many vaccinations for their people as they can, right? And this has been Trump's mindset, the whole presidency. And it's got him a lot of backlash that he doesn't care. Like he made United Nations and NATO members pay more money so the Americans weren't doing it. Rebarred a new trade deal with China that benefited America more than it benefited China. Brought American manufacturing back to America because it benefited America. So this has been a, a dictate or a mandate that we've seen from the Trump administration for four years now. One that's been undercut by Democrats in government who are upset. Probably because their pockets are lying from the foreign governments that are hurting because Trump refuses to put America behind anybody else, right? And I can't see many other reasons why you would not want the American people to come first. All right, so in a similar report from Fox News, written by Brooke Singman, President Trump is expected to sign executive order Tuesday that will ensure all Americans have access to coronavirus vaccines before the U.S. government begins aiding nations around the world. Notice that he never said that, oh, well, we're not going to aid nations or we're not ever going to help Europe. We're not ever going to help the Middle East or Africa or anywhere else. That the U.S. government will help Americans before it begins helping anybody else. Senior administration officials told Fox News Monday that the president will reemphasize to the American people that the priority has been an America first approach during a vaccine summit at the White House Tuesday. The news of the executive order comes just days ahead of the Food and Drug Administration Thursday's meeting regarding Pfizer and BioNTech's application for emergency authorization of their coronavirus vaccine three weeks after the companies filed for it. The FDA also plans to meet on December 17th to discuss Moderna's vaccine. A source close to the White House Coronavirus Task Force told Fox News late last week that the Pfizer-BioNTech authorization comes, could come as early as Friday. FDA Commissioner Stephen, Stephen Hahn last week said that they are very hopeful of an approval that they are moving very quickly. And this just continues to show that promise that it, that it, Trump has made that he would put America first. He has continued to emphasize that and hit on that all for like all through his presidency. Whether he's reelected or not, that's neither here nor there. No one can claim that he did not maintain the majority of his campaign promises, right? And so speaking of the like the vaccine and the reasons why people want us to aid other other countries first, I can only see like really like two reasons why you'd be upset with Americans being the first to receive the vaccine. Either one, you want to continue the lockdowns in order to perpetuate your power. Either you are afraid of the fact that if you become vaccinated, they will then eventually be able to leave their homes legally because you've already made these draconian lockdowns where they are not going to be at a grave risk and America is going to go back to work and they're no longer going to 
rely on the government for every single handout that you've been wanting to give them in a way to try to keep a hold and gain more power. Or second, you are in bed with some other agency or government that you've been making deals with that the president's order is undermining. I cannot see any other reasons that you would want the majority of the vaccines to go anywhere else before they come to America. Like government, your job is to take care of Americans. How about you do that? How about instead of demonizing the president for putting America first, how about Congress, you do something, do the same thing, put America first. In a report from Politico, Congress has still yet to agree on the $908 billion stimulus package that is needed by Americans. Like this package is needed. And like I said, I'm not in it for handouts or any of that, but there has to be some form of stimulus in the economy if we're going to continue, right? So in a report by Ben White and Aubrey Eliza Weaver of Politico, well, here we yet go again. Congress remains stuck on a coronavirus relief bill, pretty much wherever they've been stuck for months, over liability and state and local government assistance. Per hour, per hour, Marianne Levine, as a bipartisan group of lawmakers, races to unveil a $908 billion coronavirus relief proposal. Democrats and Republicans remain at odds over how to resolve their differences on a key sticking point, liability reform. Emerging from a closed-door meeting, senators said that they have yet to, re to reach a solution on the matter. But they exchanged competing proposals. The senators are expected to meet again sometime today. Right? But the media are not talking about the Democrats disagreeing on the amount of money. Like, that's not, that's not the issue. The fact that last week, Pelosi was asked why she's now okay with the reduction. Because remember, she did want like a $1.3 trillion relief relief um, bill, and now she's accepting the $908 billion. When asked why she's now accepting this lower amount, she said, she replied, a new president. Like, if you follow me on my Instagram, I put that. Like, Nancy Pelosi and the rest of the Democrats have 100% put party politics over the American people. Because they know that if they would have been able to secure a coronavirus relief package under the Trump administration, that that would reflect good upon his administration and would bolster his chances of re-election. However, now that they believe that Biden has won the presidency, oh, well, there's a new president, so any of the Democrat president, yeah, I'm good. I can barter now. Yeah, let's go down. You can, you can take down that to $908 billion. We don't need that $1.3 trillion anyway. That was just to make it to where the White House wouldn't budge so we can make it look like it was his fault that we weren't actually getting the relief that the American people needed. The fact of the matter is, is that the elites do not care about you or your family. That is 100% clear. They do not care about you, me, the little guy, nothing. As long as they are doing okay and they're allowed to do whatever they want and they're successful, that's all they care about. And of course, the media has to continue the same narrative that Trump is bad because if they do not, then their last four years will finally come into light and the veil will be ripped off. They've been untruthful for like, five years now. Speaking of truth and things like that, and Trump, Senator Ted Cruz said on Monday, this is huge, guys. Like, this is actually, like, I was mind blown when I saw this. Mind absolutely blown, right? Speaking of Trump, um, Senator Ted Cruz said on Monday that he will present the oral arguments to the Supreme Court if they take up the case brought by um, 
Representative Mike Kelly and congressional candidate Sean Parnell. So in a report from Fox News, Senator Ted Cruz, a Republican from Texas, on Monday said that he agreed to present oral arguments before the Supreme Court in a key election-related case should the high court take the matter up because the matter, in quote, raises very serious issues, according to a recent interview on Hannity. The case brought by Representative Mike Kelly, Republican of Pennsylvania, and Pennsylvania GOP congressional candidate Sean Parnell, alleges that a 2019 state law allowing no-excuse mail-in voting is unconstitutional. If the court agrees, according to KDKA, Kelly and Parnell said most of the Commonwealth's mail-in voting in the past president, presidential election could be thrown out. So here's Senator Ted Cruz and Sean Hannity talking about it. Let's take a look. Which, by the way, let the record note, you have won cases in the Supreme Court. Well, that's right, Sean, and, and it's good to be with you this evening. Uh, you know, we're seeing across the country lawsuits that, that are challenging uh, voter fraud, that are challenging irregularities in the election. And, and in Pennsylvania, this appeal to the Supreme Court raises very serious issues. It raises pure issues of law. And, and, and I believe the Supreme Court should choose to take the case. I think they should hear the appeal. And as you noted, the, the legal team uh, reached out and asked if I would be willing to, to present the oral argument if the court took the case. And I told them I'd be happy to uh, because particularly at a time when this country is so divided, when, when people are so angry, I think we need a sense of resolution. And, and I 100% agree with it. Not because I want Trump to win. Not because I think that he was, there was necessarily huge voter fraud or voter irregularities. But unfortunately, the pandemic has brought forth issues that need to be addressed. That is the Supreme Court's job to look at the constitutionality and the legality of laws that are passed for whatever reason. And if it is found to be unconstitutional, then those votes need to be suppressed. Just as if I found, let's say, because what everyone's gonna say is that, oh, well, those were votes that were lawfully casted and so therefore the outcome should be, should be held. But that's the same to say that, let's say we know a guy, we have a guy on trial for murder and there's a video that shows him committing the murder unlawfully, right? But that video was not lawfully obtained or any amount of evidence was not lawfully obtained that it can be used against him because it gets us to the outcome that we want it to. No, if something is found to be unlawful or anything is done unlawful, it is suppressed, just like in court. If anything is found to be at the fruit of the poisonous tree and is found to be obtained unlawfully, it should be suppressed. Same with the votes. If the votes were, in hindsight, found to be unconstitutional or not legal, they need to be suppressed. And unfortunately, that is just the way that the legal system works. Right? And I'm not saying that because I believe in disenfranchising millions of voters. I'm saying that because at some point we have to look at the constitutionality of things. We still are a constitutional republic and we still have to have laws. And the Supreme Court still has the due diligence to look at the legality of laws it brought to their attention. That is their job. And I've said this for a very, very long time, and I'll say it again, right? That if, there, if it comes to find out through all the court cases, all the investigations and everything like that, right? That there was no election fraud, not enough to overturn the election or anything like that, then Trump needs to concede the election and move on.
But if there was found to be election fraud, it needs to be investigated. Whatever outcome comes of that, that is what we need to follow. That is how we ensure that integrity in our election remains. Because there is a reason why 50 million Americans believe that this, this election was a sham. And if we do not get that under control, that could spiral out of control very, 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 very fast, right? Like that needs to be addressed. If you have a, a wide majority of the American people that are under the assumption that there may be wide, widespread voter fraud or voter irregularity, then it is the responsibility of the government to squash that and prove that there is not. Right? So we'll see how that goes. We'll see. I, I think that a oral argument presented by Ted Cruz could be very, very good. Like he's, he one, he's a damn good speaker too. He has, his thoughts are very, very good. And there's a reason that he's been reelected in Texas so many times. Speaking of Texas, this is absolutely funny, right? And I meant to go over this at the beginning, but I forgot. So according to the Texas Tribune, TexasTribune.org, a new lawsuit in Texas contests election results in Georgia, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton is suing four battleground states, Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, whose election results handed the White House to the President-elect Joe Biden. In the suit, he claims that the pandemic era changes to election procedures in those states violated federal law and asked the U.S. Supreme Court to block the states from voting in the Electoral College. Okay. That, that's a long shot. Like, that, that, I, I, uh, I don't know. That, that's crazy. That's absolutely crazy, right? But leave it to Texas to sue four other states for what they believe is unconstitutional. It will be absolutely intriguing to see how this goes. Because if that happens, that would set a precedent. One, that another state can sue all these other states for, for a constitutional issue, right? But it would also say that, I don't know of a time in American history where a state's been blocked from voting in the Electoral College. So... But I thought it'd be funny because Texas just gives no insert word, right? Give, they just give no fucks about anything. They believe it's wrong, you're gonna know about it. So I guess that's a good thing. But read about that, we'll see how that goes and we'll see how the rest of the lawsuits with uh, Senator Ted Cruz maybe leading it up and then obviously however that lawsuit goes from the Attorney General in Texas. All right. So Biden has also announced his nominee for the Secretary of Defense. And this is actually kind of funny too, to be honest, because the left is assaulting Joe Biden because of his pick. And their words of identity politics and woke culture, you would think like in their world of identity culture, right? And the woke culture and everything like that, you would think that the choice of an African-American to lead the Pentagon would be just receiving hails of prey, like hails of praise, like, right? Just praise from every side of the aisle, right? From every single Democrat, you figure that they would be like rejoicing the fact that an African-American will now sit at the highest level of the Pentagon. But that's not happening. That's not happening at all. So who is Biden's pick? Well, retired four-star general Lloyd Austin. Austin would be the second recently retired general to serve as the Secretary of Defense, a job that has previously been reserved for civilians only. In a report written by Thomas Barabi, with Fox News. 
President-elect Joe Biden will nominate retired four-star general Lloyd Austin to serve as Secretary of Defense in his administration. Multiple sources with knowledge of the matter told Fox News. Biden's long-standing relationship with Austin was a key factor in his selection. A source with knowledge of the matter told Fox News Peter Dosey. Austin served as commander of the U.S. and coalition forces in Iraq during the President Obama's first term in office. If confirmed by the Senate, Austin would be the first black president. I'm sorry. If confirmed by the Senate, Austin would be the first black leader of the Pentagon. Biden is expected to formally announce his pick later this week. As a career military officer, the 67-year-old Austin is likely to face opposition from some in Congress and in the defense establishment who believe in drawing a clear line between civilian and military leadership of the Pentagon. Although many previous defense secretaries have served briefly in the military, only two, George C. Marshall and James Mattis, have been career officers. Marshall also served as Secretary of State. Right? And I think this is the first pick of Joe Biden's cabinet that I think a majority of us, at least of us military veterans and members, can get behind, right? But the left is losing their mind about the pick. Why? Because it threatens that, like, civilian military check. I've always wondered about this. I think that a retired general who is not, like, I think a retired general who has had a long service in the military, who is no longer on active duty and is retired, should have no problem being the Secretary of Defense, right? They had the waiver for, for General Mattis just a few years ago. Having somebody that is military knowledgeable, that understands the needs of the military is a good thing. There's not a single civilian in the world that can relate on a level that another military member can with the military or understand the needs that they need. He, like, being a veteran under Mattis was great. Like, you could tell a shift from when the previous Secretary of Defense was in office to when General Mattis took over and then when General Mattis exited, right? Like, there, you could tell and feel the shift in the military. He understood the needs of the military and ensured that the military got and secured what it needed. Funding, uniforms, oversight, all of those things came under a general that was knowledgeable in the military. But, like I said, the left and the media cannot let go of the narrative that anything that Trump and his administration has done ever is bad. And if they do, they know that that facade and the curtain will be pulled off and that their lies will be exposed. There's no other reason that I can see why the left and the media would criticize the America First um, approach for the vaccine or the difference or the disapproval of General Austin to the Secretary of Defense. I can't see any other reason for that. All right, so we'll see that if he does go on to announce that later in the later in the week. It'll be interesting to see what the actual like tweets from the left are and from the rest of the members of government and the media, if that is who his choice ends up being. But lastly, before the end of the show, I just wanted to read something from you, from CNN. And I hate this, right? Like, I hate this. I hate the overt attacks on our Constitution and our institutions. Like, if you want to report the news, awesome. Report just the news. But do not attack the Constitution. It has held this country together for 240 plus years, and it will continue to do so for 240 plus more. So here it is. Now, to give you some context, they're talking about the upcoming Safe Harbor Day. 
the day when all the election results have to be certified. But in this article about quarter of the way down, the subheader says electoral college takes center stage. With election results certified, electors and lawmakers follow an archaic timeline set out of Constitution and U.S. law to make Biden the president. Just as then Vice President Biden oversaw the counting of electoral votes that gave Trump the White House in 2017, now it will be Vice President Mike Pence, Trump's loyal soldier these last four years, who will announce the vote tally that officially makes Biden the winner. Read more about that here. And Republicans who have chosen to how deeply they want to follow Trump into his rabbit hole of conspiracy theories. Right? So it doesn't sound bad, but an archaic timeline, it's not archaic. Yes, it may have been used way back in the day. Right? But it's still very much viable today. And these small little acts and like jabs wear on people's thoughts of the Constitution. Right? Like to all of us, it may not. But to those that are very, very much influenced by the like mainstream media, how easy is it to be like, oh, wow, yeah, that is archaic. Why do we have that? We should change that. We need to change that now. Like, what if we made it to where we actually um, let the media decide who our president is? And because that's real-time news, we could let them decide instead of this archaic timeline where we vote for which party is going to elect electors and then they convene at an electoral college where then they vote based on their party lines, right? Because that would absolutely be the best way to do it because we could allow these people that have had huge powers in the mainstream media to decide our elections for us, regardless of what the Constitution and everything else says. We need to change that. That is what these small little jabs do. Over and over and over again, the repeated attacks on our Constitution wear away at our institutions. And the media is 100% complicit in that. All right, guys, so I know it was, might have been a really long episode. I actually don't really know how long we're sitting at, but I'm back. I'll be back here tomorrow, guys. It'll be very interesting. Like I said, all those things I talked about, like it, who Biden's going to nominate, where the lawsuits are going to go, how Trump's executive order will be enforced, and the backlash that he will continue to receive for that, how Texas lawsuits suing those other four battleground states will go. It'll be very, very interesting to see the next few days unfold. So thank you guys, as always. Thank you for stopping by. Let me know what you think. If you're from Texas, even more, let me know what you think. I want to know how you feel about Texas suing everybody else. And make sure you follow me on my Instagram, follow me on Twitter. And I wish you all the very best. God bless you. And I'll see you tomorrow.